I guess the last few weeks we've been talking about, in, in general, I guess, we've been talking about the fact that there's been a, a great apostasy in the church, um, an apostasy that was foretold by Christ and and the apostles that we can read in the New Testament had already begun to take place. There was a turning back, as Paul says, to the weak and worthless elements, rudiments. Uh, there was a... a, a, a predominance in the in the church to have lost their or left their first love to think that they were wise and rich and had need of nothing but were really blind and poor and miserable wretched and naked and um i'm not going to go through all those verses again but the the the, the apostasy and again in a, in a few words is a turning is a is a people that had received the doctrines of christ and the letters of the apostles believed them, but had turned their hearts uh, away from experiencing the life and light and power of Christ reigning in their hearts. And <clears throat> that is not a small thing to lose. That's everything. That's like all that all that Christianity is is Jesus Christ living and reigning moving and teaching, changing, humbling, crucifying, circumcising, everything that he does in the heart. And if you, if the heart drifts away from, from experiencing that life and holds on, and yet holds on to the doctrines, holds on to the words, then you have a situation, uh, as, as, as Paul says in Timothy, uh, of, uh, having an appearance of godliness, but denying the power thereof. There's a power of godliness. It's not just uh, something that man can do. There's a power that's in it and behind it. And, and that power is the power of Christ. It's the power of righteousness that comes from God. It's, it's that righteousness that Jesus said was greater than the scribes and the Pharisees. He said, unless you have a righteousness that uh, that that is greater than the scribes and the Pharisees, then you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, there is a righteousness that's given apart from the law, Paul says. And that righteousness isn't just an invisible magic wand wave. A lot of times Christians talk about it like, oh yeah, Christ gave me righteousness. Well, where is it? I think it's in me somewhere. Um is it alive in you? Is it reigning in you? Is it changing you? Is it manifesting itself in you? Well, no, but I think it's there because I, I believe. Well, uh, there's a power of godliness. There's a power of righteousness that works in the heart and brings the heart into a conformity to the nature and life of, of Jesus Christ. And anyway, we've talked about that and how if you lose christ as the life of his own body then what you have is a body trying to produce life apart from christ or trying to produce righteousness apart from christ or trying to produce wisdom apart from christ or faith or love and that's why there's two versions of everything uh if you can understand what i mean by that i mean in 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 uh the church today there is when when man reads scriptures there is the reality that comes from above when we read those words, when we read, read words like righteousness or wisdom or love or faith. 
there's a reality that comes from above and works in man as the power and life of God. And then there's, uh, there's that which works or that man works basically apart from God. Um, some of the, these things are so clearly stated in Scripture. I, I, I don't want to, um, I don't want to say too much about it. But you, you, we've talked about how there is a wisdom James says that comes from above, and then there is a wisdom that comes from below that he says is earthly, sensual, and demonic. There's a righteousness that comes from above. It works in the soul by the life and power of Christ. There's a righteousness that comes from below which is a righteousness that's produced by man. Maybe trying to keep commandments, maybe not, but it's still a righteousness that arises from below and it's not the righteousness of God. And that's why Jesus says, unless you've got a righteousness that's beyond the Pharisees who are extremely strict in their righteousness, by the way, uh, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, there's two kinds of faith too, and that's kind of what I thought I would talk about today. A little bit of, of, of the reality of faith. Uh, there is a faith that is of man, and that faith that is of man is more or less just a belief. I mean, it's it's just a, it's just what man believes about something. It's a it's a personal belief or opinion or deduction or conclusion um, about something that he can't see. And and then there's a faith that comes from above and that faith is so unbelievably different and contrary to the faith that works in man just has his own mental belief uh, that I think it, it's worth a little a little time trying to describe that that distinction and I think it's right uh, for us to ask ourselves if we're experiencing the faith that comes from above I don't think that's a I don't think that's a bad exercise or a bad question. In fact, there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 13:5 where Paul says, "Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Do you not know that Christ or how does he say it? 2 um, Corinthians 13:5. Let me flipping through a bunch of scriptures today and you don't have to look them all up if you don't if you want to just follow along. I'll read them but Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Well, he's the source of that faith. And there's a way, there, there, there should be a reality of knowing that he's in you. He's the one that produces that faith. And so I think it's okay. I don't think it's just okay. I think it's right. And I think it's wise to examine ourselves in that way. Not, not in a self I don't know, scrutinizing kind of egocentrical way, but turning our hearts to the Lord and saying, show me my condition, show me what's really going on in my, in my heart. And again, not to compare ourselves to others and not to just to whatever, condemn ourselves, but to, to bring our hearts before the Lord and, and make sure that we're actually reaching for, experiencing, expecting, finding the, the right thing and not settling for something that is, uh, made of man, that comes from man. There's a whole lot of warnings in the New Testament about deceiving ourselves. People act like it's impossible, and 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 yet there some of the strongest statement, like the one I just read, uh, that was written to the church. 
Do you, do you, do you know that? You know, you notice that he wasn't writing that to to unbelievers. He was writing to the church. Uh, examine yourselves. See see if you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not feel? Do you not know? Do you not experience that Christ is in you? There are so many warnings. Uh, just think about so many of the things that Jesus said about. Um, <laughs> People thinking that they know him and that they're casting out demons in his name and prophesying in his name and him saying, I never knew you or depart from me or people waiting for him like the bridegrooms, but without oil on their lamp and the door is shut and they can't get in or uh, the guy that thinks he's got the talent in his pocket until the master comes back and says, you wicked and lazy servant, it hasn't produced any increase. Give it to give it to the guy that's got 10. Those kinds of things aren't in the Bible just randomly as I mean, those those are real things that we should uh, take seriously. Be, not 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 again, um, so that we just like nitpick our, ourselves from our own opinions, but that we present our hearts before the Lord and say, "You show me, Lord. You teach me. Where am I? What's going on in me? What's not going on in me? Am I in that faith? Am I growing in that faith? Have I tasted it in the past, but not in? Am not living in it right now? Have I?" Have I seen some things in that light of faith? And but now I'm walking more in the darkness of memories and and carnal-minded uh, beliefs. You show me. And so, so faith is generally uh, believed in the church. I think by gen- almost anybody in the church, out of the church, to be to be just a, a belief. It's just like an a, an opinion about spiritual things or or a conclusion that the mind has about things that it can't see. And yet that is not the real faith that comes from God. An atheist can have that kind of faith, you know. Uh, Anyone can have that kind of faith. Demons, it says in James, uh, believe that there is one God, and they shudder. They tremble. That's not a saving uh, faith to believe that something is, is real. And... It just makes me think of when I was in college, I was taking all these classes in religion and Christian philosophy and stuff. And I remember there were so many, I was reading all these books by like the best Christian writers and like Kierkegaard and Augustine and and Aquinas and all these different guys. And they all had like different opinions about such really important things. And I just remember thinking to myself, I want to have faith in the right thing. How do I know that I'm having faith in the right thing? Do I just pick the one that sounds like the best to me and then put my faith in that, you know? And at that time I had a very I think common but a very natural view of faith. It's something that man just decides to believe. But that's really not it's what I kind of want what I want to challenge us to think about. And I'm going to Basically, just all I have here is written down a bunch of verses that I just want to look up and, and talk about with you guys and and, re- and and consider together what is the reality of faith and what in the apostasy in the apostate condition of the church what has faith come to be but what and 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 what is it really in the experience of the believer? I would say that just to try to put a real. Um, simple definition to it which is hard because it it's a mystery faith is a mystery paul paul calls faith a mystery 
the word mystery is used all throughout the New Testament as something that simply needs to be revealed by the Spirit. It's not something that man's mind can grasp. Paul uses the word, I don't know, 10 times, probably 12 times in the New Testament, always with reference to something that the mind of man cannot look into, see into, and yet can be and is revealed by the Spirit of God. He calls faith a mystery and says that it's held in a pure conscience. And I'm going to maybe get to that verse later, but if I had to try to define, give a, give a definition of um, faith, I would say that it is a kind of seeing, a spiritual seeing and perceiving and receiving of living truth. And, and that this seeing and perceiving and receiving of living truth comes from God and it works in the heart to cause us not just to have beliefs about things, but to have some kind of an inward knowing and seeing and understanding of what is true in Christ. And, and that faith then as it works in us has a bunch of different kind of like living responses or 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 it produces something in the heart it lets you it lets you see and feel something that god sees and feels and when you experience a little bit of a, a a measure of faith in your heart it's not like someone just convinced you you know like someone comes up to you with a math problem and you think that two plus two is five and they say let me show you here it's actually two apples plus two apples there's four and oh okay i got it it's not like that it's not like a convincing of the brain uh it's like a it's like a sight that comes from heaven a seeing a receiving a perceiving that is alive and it stirs in your heart and it works in your heart and it and it and it creates responses in the heart it creates things i'm getting ahead of myself but it creates hunger for more it creates desires after righteousness you 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 understand that you need to stay in this faith and walk in it it's not just for believing right facts it's for living the just shall live by faith. It doesn't say the just shall believe by faith. I mean, that, that's true too. But the just shall live by faith. Faith is what we're supposed to live in, walk in, live by. It has effects is what I'm trying to say. It's not, it doesn't just sit there in your brain like a, like a human belief, you know, like I believe in aliens or something like that. Okay, that just sits there in my head. It doesn't do anything. It's just a belief. I might remember it every six months or something, but but it's not actually doing it. I don't believe in aliens, by the way, just to throw that out there. But it, I, it doesn't just remain in your in your brain like an idea that you call up when you want to remember what you believe. That's not what faith is. It's a living thing. It's something that that comes from God and it works in you according to the light and the life of God. And and as you begin to, to grow in faith, at first, it, maybe it's like little lightning flashes, you know? It's like, oh, I see something. Like you're reading the Bible and boom, all of a sudden you see, see and feel and know and understand something. 
where did that come from? And you read the same Bible verse a hundred times before, and then all of a sudden, you you you, you don't just like get it like a fact. You kind of feel it like a punch in the stomach, or you find it to be real. And what is that? Well, I, I would say it's a measure of faith increasing in you, and and it and you begin to understand as you experience that faith why salvation is by faith why only this power this light this receiving and perceiving and following in faith walking in faith can produce in you any change at all why you can only be saved by faith or why Paul says in Romans 5 too that we have access in this great to this grace by faith faith is the access by which by which we experience faith it's because that by faith again i'm repeating myself but by by faith you begin to see and to find and to feel and to know and to experience and to understand the the substance of things that are hoped for now that's that's from hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 faith is the substance of things that are hoped for and it is the evidence of things that are not seen. That phrase or that sentence doesn't make any sense with the word belief or with the idea of human belief because if I believe in aliens, that's not the substance or the evidence of anything. In fact, if someone says they believe in something like that, you automatically assume they have no substance or evidence, you know? But faith is really different. Faith is the substance. I know there's other translations of that Verse, but that's the most. Uh, I believe that's the most literal translation. Um, it's in the New King James, the King James, the literal translations of various kinds, and um, the, the, that's the difference between, or one of the big differences between faith and human belief is that faith actually finds and feels and knows the substance of things that that are unseen and finds the evidence of them in you. The evidence of what faith sees and knows begins to work in the heart of man. All right, let's look at let's look at some scriptures. Where does where does faith come from? I ask that question because most people think that it comes from man. And, you know, they say things like, you just got to have faith. Or I've heard of people say, faith is a choice. That's not, that's just not true. Not really. Turning to, to God is a choice. Turning to the Lord and humility, that's a choice. Submitting to God is a choice. Seeking God, reaching, groping after God, that's a choice. But living faith is not produced by man. Living faith comes from above, and it comes and appears uh, in, in, in people who are turning and submitting and seeking and reaching and groping after God. But, but, but it doesn't, it's not produced my, by, by man. Hebrews uh, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 2, says that Christ is the author and the finisher of faith. Christ is the author and the finisher of faith. Paul says, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, that God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Um, 
there's another scripture in Ephesians I didn't write down where he says something like, we are saved by grace through faith, and that is not of ourselves, but is the gift of God. And I don't know if I want to get into this. Another one is, is um, because there's a lot of, I think, misunderstandings about this verse, but in Romans chapter 10, I'll just mention it. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, most people think that that means just like by reading scripture out loud or something like that. But if you look at that whole chapter, Paul's talking about the word that is in the mouth and in the heart, that you don't have to go up to heaven and pull it down or go down below and bring it up. It's Christ in you, the word of God that is near. And it's and it's the hearing of that word, not not just the words. Again, I believe every single word in scripture. I love the scriptures. I read the scriptures every day. I believe that every word is breathed of God and is useful for instruction and correction and all of that. And yet you can read the Bible and not experience that living word that actually is is what's producing a living faith in us. And that's in uh, Romans chapter 10. And some people hear hear these kinds of statements and they say, well, then if, if faith comes from God, then why did Jesus seem so uh, surprised at not finding faith? Why did he always say, where is your faith? Oh, you men of little faith. Or like, how is it that you have no faith? Well, it that's not because he expected man to produce it. It's because he knows that God is always trying to birth and grow and increase faith in hearts that are willing, that are turned, that are submissive, that are humble, that are seeking, that are following. And when there's a lack of faith operating in us, it doesn't mean that we didn't make it. It means that we didn't offer the Lord the environment in which he would love to create it and form it and cause it to fill our hearts. It's kind of like saying, it's it's like if a, a seed was given, that a human being can't create a, uh, an increase of that seed. Like if someone gave you a bunch of tomato seeds or something or corn seeds or something and a farmer comes up at the end of the season and says, where's your harvest? Well... Uh, it's it's not with the expectation that the farmer produces it, but there's there is a an expectation that the farmer actually creates an environment and protects that environment and and makes that environment conducive for the growth of the thing that 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 does have the life and the will and the power in it. All right. Um, what what does faith do in the heart of man? There's a bunch of scriptures we could look at, and um, I'll just look at a few, just I guess for time's sake. But in in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a, the whole chapter is on faith. The, everything in Hebrews chapter 11 is on faith. But there's a, there's a few maybe scriptures I'll point out. One of them is 11:27, I think. Where is it? So this is talking about Moses and how. Moses, it says, first by faith, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And a little bit further down in 27, it says, by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. 
I love that um, scripture. I've always loved that scripture as a as a really great description of what faith is and what faith does. Faith sees him who is invisible and follows him too. I was talking to some of the guys yesterday. We had a guys meeting in the morning and um, for some reason the subject of faith came up and I was kind of comparing it to a little bit like a um, like a fish hook. The the Lord casts it and we receive it with meekness and it puts a hook in our mouth and it be, it doesn't just sit there in our mouth and just lets us go on doing whatever our fishy desires wanted to do that day. It puts a hook in our mouth and it begins to pull. See, belief, natural beliefs, you know, I believe that so-and-so is going to win the World Series or I believe that so-and-so is going to be the president of the United States. Those kind of beliefs don't really have any power in them. But, but faith comes into you and it, and it awakens a kind of seeing or a, a, a spiritual sight and knowing and understanding of something. And it tugs on your heart. It pulls you. It doesn't, you don't have to follow it. You don't have to walk in faith. You can continue to walk in sight if you want to. But, but if, as long as faith is, is real and working in your heart, you're going to feel something of its pulling and this that's why almost like so many of these stories in, in hebrews chapter 11 um and in the stories of people who are walking by faith in scripture they're actually by faith leaving something like moses here by faith he was leaving egypt by faith he was seeing something that was invisible by faith he was walking towards an inheritance a city that has foundations um he was coming out of something by faith, uh, Rahab fell, uh, walked out of Jericho and joined Israel. By faith, um, Abraham left his country, kindred, and father's house and followed God into a land that would be shown to see. Faith, faith does that in you. You you begin to feel it and see it, and and there's a tug on your lip, so to speak. You know, it it pulls in the direction that it came from. That's how, that's how it feels. It pulls you towards where it came from. And if you give up to it, and if you start walking by it, you find yourself, maybe not in a perfectly straight line, but but you find yourself being pulled and corrected and, and, and moving continually closer and closer towards the author and the finisher of faith. And, and part of that is because it produces this Sight, the seeing of him who is invisible in you. That's hard to describe, but it's easy to feel. Um, what else? Faith produces a kind of spiritual understanding. There's a verse in the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11. This is something that's easily read over, but it's really interesting if we pay a little bit of attention to it. By faith, this is verse 3. By faith, we understand... That's a, that's a strange statement just right there. By faith we understand. Because, that, again, that doesn't work with belief. By belief you don't understand. I mean, by human belief, you don't, just, you don't understand by belief. You just believe by, by belief. But here it says, by faith we understand. And what do we understand by faith? We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. There's that living word again. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. 
Now, how, how do you understand that the whole world was created by the world, word of God and the things that are seen, they, they come out, um, they, they weren't, they didn't make themselves. They weren't, they, they weren't, they weren't made by visible, other visible things. They came out of something that was invisible. Now, how do you understand that? How do you know that? It says here by faith. So faith is, again, it's that it, it produces a, a light, a seeing, an understanding that's given to you by God. These aren't things you can just understand uh, just by reading a book or, or by hearing someone say them. But by faith, you can. Um, trying to move through some of these. Acts 15, 9. This is an interesting scripture. Uh, this is what, where Peter is standing up and he's trying to say that the Gentiles have an inheritance in Christ too. And the Jews are kind of saying, no, you know, it's been like a few thousand years and God hasn't really ever let the Gentiles into this covenant, you know. And Peter's saying, no, they, he, he, they are invited into this covenant. And, and he's, he's giving them, yeah, Acts uh, 15.9. Um. So he's he's describing what happened when he went to Cornelius's house and how that how how um, all, all that whole story he retells the entire story here and he says so God uh, starting in verse eight so God who knows the heart acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as He did to us and made no distinction between us and them purifying their hearts by faith purifying their hearts by faith. Again, does, does human belief purify your heart? Faith is a living thing. It's a heavenly thing. It changes you. It works in you. It stirs in you. It causes you to see things that, that you can't see with your natural eyes. That's why there's a contrast in Scripture between walking by faith and walking by sight. It causes you to understand. It, it begins to purify it. It, it gives you a taste and a, and a sense and a reality of the substance of things that can't be seen. And, and it becomes the evidence of those things in you. I'll do one more of these. And, 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 um, and we could go on through, through a lot of them. But James, James the, whole, the whole chapter two of James is all about faith producing its own fruits. See, that's what faith does. Faith works just like anything alive. It produces an increase of itself. It produces its own works. This is such a uh, controversial issue in the church. It shouldn't be because people say, like Paul said, we're saved by, by faith and not by works. And James says we're saved by work. He doesn't say we're saved. It's just that faith, faith works. That's the issue. Faith produces its own fruits. It produces it causes us to experience the grace of God. Romans 5, 2 again. It causes us, it acts in us. It lives in us. It, 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 it creates hunger. It creates, uh, it produces its own fruit in us. And, and so you can't really claim to have, this is what James is saying, you can't really claim to have a living faith if the faith that you're having isn't living in you and through you. If, if it's not producing the works of faith in you, because it's not a dead thing. 
Once again, it's not just a, an idea in your head, an opinion, a conclusion, a deduction. It's not that. That wouldn't produce necessarily anything. But because faith is a living thing that comes from God and stirs and awakens and enlightens and teaches and the heart and causes hunger and desire after God in you and reaches and hopes and walks in faith and purifies the heart, then you bet it, it produces works. And if there's not works uh, being produced by faith, then it's, it's legitimate, as James does, I believe, to question whether or not there is real and living faith. And maybe I'll just stop um, with this question. What, if you're not experiencing this faith that these scriptures are talking about, what might be the reason why the faith described in scripture is not your experience? One of the reasons, I think, is that Paul talks about how um, it's possible to shipwreck with regard to our faith. Um, he talks about, I forget the t- names of the two guys, but they have upset the faith of many. Faith, uh, if, well, let me just read this verse. There's a verse here, First Timothy 3, 9. I didn't understand this verse um, for a very long time, and I'm sure I have much more to learn about it, but it's starting to make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, am I wrong here? Is it, yeah, no. It's going to be 3 9. Okay, so he says, let's, let's go up a verse. Deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. Holding the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. That, that says a lot uh, to me. And, and what it says to me is that faith can't be held onto in an impure conscience. If, if you can follow what I mean by that. If, you're consci- if you are continually violating your conscience, if you're living contrary to what you already know to be right and real, in other words, if you're not following and obeying and submitting to what faith is showing you and shining in you, then you can't hold on to faith with dirty hands, so to speak. Faith is a precious living thing. And when we don't follow it, when we don't obey and submit to faith, then we can very quickly lose sight of what we have seen or experienced by faith. That's a really common thing. I've experienced it so many times. It, it, it's, it's not, I'm not saying you stop suddenly stop being a Christian or something like that. I'm just saying that the living reality of faith can turn in your heart into kind of an, just an empty, dead belief. Even though it's the, you believe the same thing, you lose the living, you're not holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. You're trying to hold on to a living thing in a, in a, dead, in a dirty and dead vessel. 
And that's, that's why you, lo- you can very easily lose the sight and sense and feeling and knowing and tasting and understanding that comes to you by faith. It's so important that we walk with clean hearts and clean hands before the Lord. If we are continually, again, violating or going against or living contrary to the things that, that we have seen and felt to be true by faith, I think it's pretty, uh, my experience is that faith kind of, in a sense, you could say, falls out of heaven and becomes a real natural earthly thing in me. Oh, yeah, I believe this. Oh, yeah, I believe that. Oh, yeah, I remember one time I got really excited about that. I don't really see that as so exciting anymore. I believe these, you know, five points of whatever. I, I believe that justification means that, you know, it's just, it becomes systematic. It becomes intellectual. It becomes crystallized into dead opinions and, and concepts. Why? It didn't start that way in most of us. It didn't start as dead, empty boring concepts in systematic theology it started as this as this shock of a living thing that's stirring our hearts and putting a hook in our mouth and pulling us towards its author what happened to it i think in a lot of our cases it's it, what, what happened to it is we tried to hold it in an impure conscience we thought we could we thought we could live contrary to what it was showing us and still maintain it alive keep it alive in us and it just doesn't work that way If you don't submit to the or obey the measure of faith that you have, my experience has been that you you lose the living sense of it. And I think this is what Paul talks about in Romans chapter one, I think it's like verse three or four, and then in Romans chapter 16, he says the same thing. He talks about how he was given an apostleship that was that was for given to him for the obedience of faith to all nations. The obedience of faith. Some translations put the word the faith in there, which isn't really in there. Um, and it makes it sound like obedience to the Christian religion. But it's really just obedience to faith. And what does it mean to be obedient to faith? I think it's just what we're talking about. I, I believe that our submission to really giving ourselves over to what we are seeing and finding and understanding by faith is how we continue to present ground in ourselves for its growth it's it's increase it's works it's how grace continues to work in us as we walk in faith as we walk by faith as we feed the hungers that faith creates in us and this isn't the last thing i'm trying to wrap up here but uh i i can also say this with a measure of experience that i have found that faith in my heart makes me hungry it makes me feel hunger for true food and it wants to be fed. And yet I've also found that if I don't feed it by giving it what it wants and what it wants is my heart turned 
towards the author of faith. What it wants is my mouth opened to the one who's trying to feed me. What it wants is a clean heart and a pure conscience so that faith can continually become more real to me. It wants to eat. It, it, it can feed while we're reading scripture. It can feed while we're having fellowship with others that are in the faith. But if we don't feed it that way, and if instead of feeding that, we're continually feeding the desires of our natural appetites and, and our carnal minds, then I also have found that that is another reason why sometimes faith, well, let me say it like this. I stop feeling the hunger that faith, the spiritual hunger that faith produces in me, and I start to feel and find in myself a whole bunch of other kinds of hungers for other things. So I'll stop with that.